Hey guys, welcome back to Just Friends. As always, I'm your host, Mitchell Embry. This week I was joined at the crib by the unforgettable Mr. T.J. Edwards. T.J.'s probably the friend that has had the biggest impact on me as a person. I don't know if that's just because we spent a lot of time together during a time in my life where I was already changing a lot, or if just his personality and his charisma has that impact on me. But either way, I think you'll come to realize in this podcast that he is a very funny and very thoughtful man, and I really appreciated having the chance to sit down with him and have a conversation in his basement, by the way, which is a first. So uh, without further ado, I'd like to present to you guys, your friend and mine, Mr. T.J. Edwards. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah, I can hear you. I'm going to amplify a lot of this. So, let's see. Let's get the gain up just a tiny little bit. How about that? Is that better? Yeah, that's better. I will do that. We should start, I guess, we have been friends the longest out of anybody else who's been on the show. I met you in middle school, probably seventh grade, because I wasn't in advanced program classes in sixth grade. I transitioned over in seventh. Yeah, we met like the, when is seventh grade? Like the second to last year? It's a, it, I don't even know how. Middle school is three years. Okay. Seventh grade is <laughs> so, the middle one. <laughs> I remember we met in middle school and we knew of each other, but we didn't really come friends, like hanging out friends till high school. For sure. I remember in middle school, the one thing I remember you about middle school is that day after science class when you asked Brittany Nally for a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> we should tell that story. It's a great story. So when I was like, I guess I was in seventh grade and I was, oh God, I looked, I had a butt cut. I had glasses. I was definitely very round and I had a huge crush on this girl whose name was Brittany Nally. Brittany, if you ever listen to this show, I appreciate you. Uh, Cause she was really nice to me about the whole situation. Yeah. For the rest she handled of the time it. On. Yeah. Like she handled it pretty good. Much better than I was capable of handling it. But no, I had a huge crush on her. I'd vocalized that. I didn't understand how to talk to people in general let alone girls that i had a crush on so it was just but i was talking to my friends about it and all my friends at the time were just encouraging me like just go do it go tell her but i think they were doing it from a mean perspective yeah yeah but i I didn't know i didn't know that i i was bullied a lot in middle school because i was just an easy target when you make yourself an easy target that's what happens so yeah they told me to do that finally i was just like you know what Maybe they're right. Fuck it. I'm just going to give this a shot. So I walked up to her. At at this point, it had been elevated to like a thing. Everybody knew this was going to happen. There's a lot of people watching. And I don't know if I ever asked any question. I don't remember speaking words to her. All I remember is seeing her close for maybe the first time ever. Because we weren't friends. We didn't really interact. And I remember seeing her braces. And there was lots of rubber bands that seemed to be connecting the top of her mouth to the bottom of her mouth. And I thought to myself, how is she going to answer my question if she can't even open her mouth because there are rubber bands holding her mouth shut? <laughs> and so I kind of just was like, oh, uh. And she was just like, oh, God, I don't know what to do here. And then it felt like a very long time that I was standing there in front of all those people waiting for her to give me an answer. And then when one did not come, I panicked and ran away. And uh, that was my first interaction with a girl. Thank you, Brittany, for being so nice about it. Um, but yeah, I just kind of turned around and walked away and went to class. <laughs> and then it just, 
It was a ridiculous thing. The first interaction that I feel like I had with you in middle school was, I think, surgeons and generals. Yeah. Yeah, that was a big thing. <laughs> so would you like to tell that story? Because you uh, kind of were there from the beginning. I only kind of just participated, but you seemed like honestly. Yeah, I was one of the founding you, fathers of the, <laughs> of the surgeons and generals. So what this was was it an interesting thing that developed in an advanced program class at Stewart Middle School. <laughs> That culminated, or I guess not culminated, but began with a disagreement that took place between you and uh, Nick Reynolds or Zach Hart or one, Brad. Was it maybe Keith? Keith. I I don't remember who was all on sides. I just remember we would go into the bathroom and fight. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So there was a disagreement: who would die first in a military situation, a four-star general or a field military surgeon? And I think now as adults, the obvious answer is the surgeon. Yeah. A four-star general's not getting anywhere near. So let's set this down now. But that was your team. You were on that team. I was on the generals. You thought they would die first. You were a general. I thought they would last longer. They would be more protected. Okay, fair. I think I was a surgeon. Now, why? Because there was a mob mentality forming, and I just wanted to join a group. Why? Because I don't know what it is about our friendship, but we just pick different sides. (laughs) Maybe. There's all friendship. Maybe that's true. Let's let's explore that more as we continue talking. Yeah, I'm sure we will. But yeah, you're right. We pretty much just would just go into the bathroom and just beat the crap out of each other. At one point was there not like a halogen bulb broken over someone? Yeah, I don't I don't remember all the details. I just remember when we got caught and they were like, Oh, you guys are the advanced program, you shouldn't be doing this and and then Kevin uh Kevin Eldridge. Eldridge, yeah, he drafted up like a peace treaty and and we all said, Okay, we agreed to it because it was either that or getting formally in trouble and the teachers were like, I'm so glad you guys brought this to a resolution yourself. And it was just like another like example of privilege. Yeah. But in this case, it, it was just like knowledge. Like these are the kids that bring our SAT scores up, so we're not gonna punish them. And no one was actually getting, like these. these no, they weren't like, real like bloody fights no. and stuff. Like there, I've seen people get beat up at school. This is just like horseplay shit. Yeah, it was horseplay. It was a horseplay yeah. on a level that was inappropriate, and that sh- could have got some people in trouble. From the moment I knew you, you were a leader. And that's why I wasn't surprised to hear that you were the one who brought our friends together, even though I was disappointed, TJ. I, I did hear that, <laughs> and I thought it was funny <laughs> that you were so upset. Well, you get you so didn't upset hear, about stuff. Which it wasn't so much that I was upset. <laughs> yeah, it, it right. It was that I had, I, I had passed that idea around in my head a little bit, yeah. and I thought, you know, maybe it could be, because it seems like I got this one group of friends that hangs out with this other group of friends that hangs out. And obviously now, in my mind, you're the linchpin of that. But I remember us with the tab, or not the tab thing, excuse me. Well, I'm jumping I'm jumping gears here. The Surgeon Generals, the first gang that we're a member of. Uh, I was a Surgeon, you were a general. So we're all on opposing sides of that, of that conflict, uh, which may end up being a theme. We'll see. And then this is what I remember. This is exactly how it happened. We went, I chose to go to PRP. I suppose you chose to go to PRP completely independent of one another. Cause we weren't friends at the time, but because your last name is Edwards and my last name is Embry, we were in the same first yeah. uh, home, home room <laughs> together on the first day of freshman year. And I was fucking panicking. I was freaking out. It has been true about me my whole life that I'm socially awkward and I get anxiety and I get 
anxious and I get stressed out and I don't handle certain, certain situations like that in a healthy way, especially when I was young. And so I saw you, I was like, I know that guy. And so I was just like, I'm just going to try to be close to that person because it's comfortable because they're familiar. And then in that process, like I tried to talk to you a little bit, but I did not have a whole lot of practice making friends. I didn't have good friends in middle school because I let the friends that I had choose me because I didn't want to, I didn't know how to put the effort into actually choosing my friends. Um, but even freshman year of high school, I don't feel like we hung out a ton, did we? No, I, I think it was more sophomore year. Was Mr. Swan's class sophomore year? Because I feel no, like... No, that was freshman year. Okay, well, I feel like it was Mr. Swan's class, and we sat across from each other at the table. With Lance Dillman. Yeah. Who and else was there? Zach Hart was that there? I I don't I don't necessarily remember, but I feel like that's when we started becoming friends, and then the next year you joined the football team, and that's when we started like expanding the friend group, but... Yeah, I, I just remember like kind of how I felt in my childhood and the good friendships I had were with people that seemed reserved because I was reserved myself and maybe I didn't appear that to other people, but that that's kind of how I felt. So when we sat across from each other, I just reached out because I remember before, I, re- I remember 4-H camp. Oh, yeah. yeah. I remember 4-H camp. I didn't stay the whole time. No, but I remember... School. Like, I remember you there and Thomas Roundtree. Thomas like, Roundtree I was, was a there. really good friend. Like, we used to be best that. friends. Yeah. And, like, we were trying to convince you his dad owned Dasani. Yeah. <laughs> but I remembered you. And then from what was those your experiences... I'd like to know. Be, be honest, it won't hurt my feelings. I don't I don't necessarily know just a guy who wanted friends but didn't know how to make them and I connected with that because luckily for me I had you know two brothers and two sisters so that was really all the friends I needed growing up and it was great it shaped me into who I am and so when I mean I just that's kind of the reading I got from you. I'm going to psychoanalyze myself a little bit right now in a way that I haven't before. I, and I actually feel this now as an adult a lot. I, when I was coming up, I spent a lot of time at my dad's side of the family. I have two female cousins and my sister. I spent a lot of time with girls. On the, my mom's side of the family, I had my cousin Matt Slusser. You've met Matt Slusser. Yeah. And then I had my two older cousins who were significantly older than me who were boys. I didn't spend a lot of time with them. I didn't have a lot of friends who were like more into masculine things. And I'm not really. And so that was a big part of it also, I think, for me. Like when I joined the football team sophomore year of high school, I was exploring for the very first time in my life, like what it was like to be a part of a group, a large group of guys um, to try to be doing something sports related whatsoever i'd spent most of my time up to that point reading fantasy novels yeah (laughs) Yeah. like a lot of times that's true i mean for joining the football team really it was transformative for me it it was for me too because i remember like freshman orientation and seeing coach lisa there and my mom knew i wanted to play football and she was like you're gonna go talk to him and i was like no no maybe i'll do it sophomore year maybe i'll ask about it sophomore year and she's like no you're gonna go talk to him and I was like scared out of my mind about going up and joining the football team and it 
it's great experience i mean there's so many like key points in my life where i can point back and be like my parents like mostly my mom just like pushed me like little things that you just don't think would matter but those are the most important things i remember from my childhood and and you know joining the football team is how kind of our friend group got expanded and how we all got to hang out a lot more it's true i'll tell you a story that you'll appreciate you are i know you probably think my mom doesn't like you because of that incident where i had those bruises on my neck where my yeah, ex-girlfriend gave like, me are hickeys. we gonna talk about that one i wasn't <laughs> sure if we were gonna bring that one up but will. yeah but you shouldn't feel that way because my mom's actual opinion of you is very high because before i really before you and i became friends we were hanging out and i joined the football team I was hanging out with some of the people we talked about earlier off air who were not super positive influences in my life. And also I was doing a lot of reading, like I said, and was just really nerdy. And she was like, when you started hanging out with TJ, you came out of your box and you started and you expanded into maybe just being a little bit more confident and just uh, being a little bit more, being a little bit less scared of everything. And so, like, that's how she views you. She views you as my friend who helped me do that. So, you should feel that way about it. Well, I've already heard that, so. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad yeah. you heard that then. Yeah. Good. Did she tell you? I don't know if she told me or if she told me and you've told me that before. Well, we just love you, TJ. Well, yeah. I mean, when we were drunk before your wedding, I think we <laughs> talked about some of this stuff. So Yeah. Oh, that's it's, probably true. Yeah. I mean, you've added value to my life through our friendship and i've added value to your life i mean that's what friendships are that's i think that's why all of our friendships have lasted as long as they do because they add value that's why that's why i wanted to create this podcast because for me maybe not so much for you and maybe not so much for everybody else because you guys do have families now and like that's really where you're at but i realize now naturally just because of the the things that are happening in everybody's life, we have less opportunities to hang out with each other. I'm trying to create artificial opportunities, real opportunities for me. So I actually feel like I'm benefiting from this the most because I get to sit down here and talk to you. Well, they're not artificial, right? I mean, I told you when I was free and when we could hang out and you kind of adjusted your schedule. I think that's mostly where people are at in life now. It's like, that's why we have so many group texts that say, is anyone doing anything tonight? And no one responds because you're working or you're yeah. watching your kid. And so you just try and try yeah. and try. And like three months later, yeah, I'll come to a cookout at your house a month from now. And then, oh, oh well, my kid's sick. Like the Friendsgiving thing. It's like, oh no, my brain got RSV. So now I have to back out last minute. So maybe next year it's like, I feel that you might think it's artificial, but when we're all listening to it, it's like we're sitting at the table next to you. So it'd be artificial to people who don't know us. But as far as the friendship level goes, like we're just like, okay, yep. Someone's going to listen to him be like, yeah, that's TJ. He's <laughs> annoying. Or they're going to be like, yeah, that's Mitchell. He's always in his feelings. You, know? <laughs> you nailed me. Oh my God. You nailed me right on that. I am. Hey, I have to drive my wife nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree. No. No, actually I think that's why I got so lucky. Is like she really is patient with me. And I think she just sees that that's who I am. Well, that's what you hope. You hope you married someone that 
understand you, even if you don't understand you. I think that's one of the biggest things people struggle with is how they see themselves because it's kind of easy for someone else to see who you are mm-hmm. that's been around you. They'd be like, this is who you are. This is what you do. And you get offended by it. You're like, that's not how I want to see myself. And it's like, just relax. It's not yeah. offensive. It's just who you are. Yeah. It's like, just let it go and enjoy who you are. You know, Chris Berry also gave me one of the best compliments I've received. This, I think this podcast is one of the most meaningful things I've done in a long time. That's why I'm enjoying it so much. I think it's, great for you that's why i volunteered to do it when you said you wanted to have me on i was like that's great because you are at the point in your life where you want to experience personal growth and i think doing something like this and seeing it through will help you grow because i recently went through it with fixing up that house and and when you do something you think you want to do you learn what you really truly want to do <laughs> that's exactly you just nailed it that's that's ex- the exact process i'm going through right now yeah i've been doing this job i did a job for 10 years that i didn't like but it was always temporary and now i'm doing the thing that i assumed was going to be permanent yeah and i also don't like it yeah so i'm like and what so, am i going to do that i love and you can get in your head about that because mm-hmm. you're like wow wow i really thought i would like this and i don't so who am i what do I want to do? It's like, just relax. Don't beat yourself up about it. As long as you're willing to try and find what you like to do, you'll be okay. Like That's super encouraging. Yeah. That's really encouraging. Hey guys, we'll get back to Just Friends here in just a second. But first, I want to take this opportunity to talk to you guys about someone near and dear to my heart. A friend of mine, like you, and like me, a man with hobbies. His name is Seth Jones. Seth is a local artist, and he has a bunch of great projects that I'm currently enjoying. The first one I want to talk about is his webcomic series, Ragamuffins. Ragamuffins gives you a beautifully illustrated and relatable view into the life of its creator, my friend Seth. It's funny, it's thoughtful, and it's thoroughly entertaining. I first started reading Ragamuffins around like 2010 when I first met Seth. And the series has changed a lot over the years, and it's been really fun to watch it grow, but one thing that hasn't changed is it's good. It's really good, Um, and I think you'll enjoy it. You should check it out on Facebook and on Instagram at ragamuffinscomic. You can see animations of the whole creation process, and it's so cool. It's it's amazing to watch him create these comics from, from a blank piece of paper all the way to this finished product. And that's just the illustration, not to mention the writing, which is also really good. But that's not all that Seth is making. This man is oozing creativity. You should also check out his personal Instagram to view his fine art series, Animalia. Now, this, this for real, this is my favorite because it's so freaking cool. There's all of these beautiful and amazing illustrations that Seth is doing on in all kinds of different mediums. And he also like shows you the whole creation process, again, starting from a blank canvas or a blank piece of wood all the way to this finished piece of art that... I mean, it's beautiful. I could imagine it hanging in 21C and I wouldn't ask any questions about it. And the process is beautiful to watch. The whole creation process itself is as beautiful as the final product. If you want to see what I'm talking about, you need to check him out on Instagram, Seth A. Jones. You won't won't be disappointed. There's a ton of cool stuff to see. The one of him drawing the orangutan is my absolute favorite. The detail is amazing. You have to check it out. 
So that's Seth A. Jones on Instagram to check out his fine art series, Animalia. You need to check it out at Seth A. Jones on Instagram. And don't forget to check out Ragamuffin's comic, Ragamuffin's comic on Facebook and Instagram, and Seth A. Jones on Instagram. You'll be glad you checked it out. I promise. All right, guys. So let's get back to the show. We didn't really talk about after high school. You want to talk about after high school? I mean, we talked about up to high school, but in football, but we didn't really talk about like where we wanted to go to college and true what what we wanted to do and why we wanted to do it. And well, I didn't know. You want to know why yeah. I chose what I did, and then I'll love to hear you talk about yours. I was in AutoCAD classes already, and then. Jake, Ryan, and everyone you. was doing it. So you feel like you chose to go into engineering, but I feel like honestly for a lot of the same reasons as me. Yeah, because our friends were doing it. It sounded cool, and partially because my older brother was doing it, and he gave me kind of some hope. And my parents told me, "You're going to college, no matter what you do. You're going to go to college." So I was like, "If I have to suffer for the next four years, which..." You know, you think 12 years, you're done. Like, you graduate, you're done. I was like, if I have to do that, I'm going to make it worth my time. I don't want to waste my time. And for me, it was like 13 years because I got held back in the third grade because I couldn't read. And it's ironic now because I learn a lot from reading in my current job and and where I'm at now. Is <laughs> was that transformative for you? Do you think... Looking you, back now, it was, but in the moment, it was an annoyance for uh, me. Yeah, it but was. it was kind of cool because then I was put in the same grade as my younger brother, so we would always like kind of see each other and yeah. stuff. And so that was cool in that aspect. But in the moment, I'm like, okay, you're a dumbass. So now, now I grew like a complex about did I didn't want to read in front of people. I didn't want to hear my voice in front of people. Like that lasted. Uh, a long time i mean just the past like pretty much since i started this rehab on my house i just feel like i just have grown from that because of the places it pushed me to be like the requirements it called upon me and you know i really got to figure out what i want from life from that and so i'm really happy i put i overextended myself mm. and i didn't break right you push your limits and, yeah, that's awesome. And some and some people will break and quit, and that's okay. Like I, I just feel like it's okay to quit sometimes. But if you don't, you're gonna get so much more out of it. So like, I just urge you not to. But if you do, don't beat yourself up over it. You feel like you learned that recently, though. Yeah, within the past like two years. I feel the same exact way. Do you think it's because? You you are 31? Yeah. I'm 30. They say the average man's prefrontal cortex does not fully develop until they're about 27, 28. Yeah, I think it's to, it? I to things to do with, with growing maturity. Like I was thinking the other day about, you know, like high school and stuff. And, and uh, Megan Pope, she used to call me immature. And it's like, well... When I look back, I'm like, I was acting like 
a teenage boy so yeah. so how was i immature for acting my age and yeah. like there's so many studies that say you know this is when your brain is mature and stuff it's like we just don't want to believe what's out there or like this is what can help you mm-hmm. like we're like no this is my life i'm different i'm better it's like we almost take it as an insult and it's like it's just meant to help you yeah that's a, that's a conscious choice that I feel like I've made recently too. Like I just suddenly realized for me, the big one was when I did finally finish college. <laughs> what happened? Lowell just scored a touchdown. Nice. Um, but what, when I finally graduated college, like basically I'd been working at Starbucks for a bunch of years. They gave me the opportunity. They were like, we'll pay for college. Cause one thing that always stopped me, I always worried about how much it cost. Because my parents were mostly paying for it. So once it was like, okay, this is totally going to be paid for. But if I don't perform well, then I this is my last chance to get a college degree. I was like, I'm doing it. No excuses. No matter what it takes, I'm going to get this done. I spent hours reading. I spent hours working. I spent hours typing papers. I became a better communicator. I became a more informed person. And I became capable of handling situations that were more challenging than other things that I had done before. And then I realized, okay, well, I can do these things. It just requires me to make a conscious decision that I'm going to get them done no matter what. And and then all of a sudden I had a tool that I could use to accomplish goals. And I was able to lose weight too. I, I, I applied the exact same concepts to losing weight. I'm not going to make excuses for myself. I'm just going to do what needs to be done in order to get this done. And what happens now is I get hyper-focused on a goal on trying to achieve a certain goal. And for the past five years, that goal was get a master's degree and become a high school teacher. And now I am that. And I feel like a big part of it, hey, Buster, is I need a new goal. But I learned that really recently. Yeah. And I would assume that you, when you were six years old, or was it maybe you were seven or eight, and you got held back because you hadn't learned to read yet, did you make that decision then? I got to learn to read now. No. No? I was like, I want to read as little as possible. <laughs> okay. That was up to, like, through college, my first job, and then I realized what benefit it was if I – well, see, I think I'm at a benefit, really, because now I talk to people, and I'm like, do you read? Yeah, I like to read. Well, read this standard. Read this inspection standard. No, I don't like to read that kind of stuff. I never like to read. So now when I read, it's for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So now I only read things that are going to help me with my career or better mm-hmm. better the, the main two goals I have, which are a father and a husband, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think long run, it benefited me to not like reading, but then to realize the importance of it later on like really far later on i i I can't relate to that all i love reading yeah but what is it technical reading no i don't particularly like i'll say this i like reading for entertainment i do but recently one transition i've made is i love to read nonfiction now i love you you've all know harari are you familiar with you've all know harari no I've talked about this guy on multiple podcasts. He, he has written three books. 
And he's an Israeli historian, and his first book is called Sapiens. And it's basically a chronological explanation of the development of humanity into Homo sapiens. And he talks about just a lot of the things. He talks about why religion exists and, like, why it's important. Um, Like, when he talks about religion, he talks about how it was a story that human beings could use that allowed them now to organize large groups of people bigger than a normal tribe. Your average tribe is 150 people, but if you have 15 tribes who all have the same God, now all of a sudden you've got 150 times 15 individuals who are all capable of being organized towards accomplishing What's the same the math? goal. What's the math? You're a math teacher. Know. Tell me. I don't know the wow. math. Is it? Oh, God. Wow. No wonder why your uh, students don't want to listen to you. Well, first of all, TJ, <laughs> let me just say that I am bad at the traditional just like plugging the I numbers. I am too. You would think, okay, a licensed engineer, I have to pull out a calculator of course. to do any kind of math. Because now that you, un- you 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 learned how to work with the numbers and now you use your understanding of the numbers to think more about the bigger concepts that the numbers represent. That's what's more important anyway. Yeah. That's why I try to teach my fucking Algebra 2 kids. They're so fucking stupid. They don't fucking get it. <laughs> Dumbass teenagers. What are they thinking about? No, so, okay, but anyway, you'll you'll really appreciate this because you've all know Harari's second book is called Homo Deus. And basically, it is about how, as human beings advance, as we have, like, as we have um, huge revolutions in biotech, which is basically, like, our ability to um, change our bodies with genetic engineering, which we're already doing with CRISPR in China, and uh, with, like, designer babies, like, we can use stem cells to clone, like, ovums, and then impregnate, and then fertilize those ovums with, like, one nut because really there's like a million sperms in just one and then you genetically sequence every single one of those and pick the one that's the best so over the next like 150 years we're basically going to turn ourselves into gods and he calls that homo deus the homo god actually i can't remember what anyway but it doesn't matter it doesn't matter but i want to ask you a question because something you mentioned earlier and you made this conscious decision like i'm gonna go get this degree and i'm gonna be a teacher and now that you're a teacher you're like I don't want to be a teacher. So how does that psychologically affect you and your decision to put in all this hard work? Like, are you upset about it? No. I'll tell you why. Because now I've learned how to do what I want to do next. And I'm doing it right now. Where I'm sitting across from you doing it. I'm doing right now what I want to do next. And it's just all about like, what else can I learn about this? All of this stuff that's sitting in front of you, I didn't know very much about any of this four months ago and now i genuinely feel like i'm creating a podcast that's not quite on the same level as what professionals are putting out but it's a lot better than what other people are used doing i don't know i've listened to two of them i feel like it could be professional yeah but i also feel like that's good you taking that away because a lot of people will look at a challenge at face value like go to college get your degree say you're a college graduate but that's not really the point of college to me it's about overcoming a long-term challenge something you don't really want to do that you said you were going to do but halfway through you're ready to quit and so you had you made this commitment you got to stick through with it and that's a very important part because you see all these people that quit halfway through and they're stuck with three hundred and fifty dollars a month in student loan debt and they can't pay it because they didn't finish through and get their degree so future employers are like well you're a quitter yeah so it's a life's interesting because i do think some things you should quit when you realize they add no value 
but what are those things you're allowed to quit? Like you have to figure out what you can actually quit. The thing that I've decided to quit is teaching in a public school. So I think certain people it resonates with certain people. It doesn't. I think people grow up and they're taught to judge certain things the way they are. And that's not necessarily how reality is. So you built up like teachers are awesome. Mr. Grider, uh, my fifth grade teacher changed my life by getting me an advanced program. And sometimes I'm like, I should reach out to him and thank him. Uh, and I never have probably never will, but if you somehow listen to this, thank you. But, um, I think people put certain values on things. So when you say, okay, I'm going to do this, you've accepted that responsibility. And when you say, okay, this isn't for me, it's for someone else. You feel guilty that you're robbing, I guess, society of that value you thought you're going to bring to it. But it's like, you, you, that's not your responsibility. You shouldn't feel bad. If you want to quit teaching, do it in a logical sense. That's what, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. What I'm trying to do now, and you almost made me cry just now. And what I'm really trying to do now is I'm trying to show them that I care about them. And I had the chance to do that with a few of them. It's very few and far between. And then just demonstrate for them like what what I'm trying to work on right now. Like when they make me mad, I try to be patient with them. When they're when they're acting irrational, I try to be rational. When they're n- not able to communicate how they're feeling, I go out of my way to always be telling them like this is what I'm experiencing right now. I'm sorry if I'm short with you. Um, I'm trying to just deal with the stress that I'm having right now, so I'm upfront with them about my emotions. That part about it is okay. What you think is best for the mm-hmm. kid. And everybody involved really does just want what's best for them. So I'm not even trying to criticize my bosses for being stressed right. out. But And I can understand and appreciate what you're coming from about stress from a job. But you have to, when you get so stressed out, I get stressed out mm-hmm. all the time on my job. I have to sit back and say, what is this stress doing to me and what is it achieving is it helping me achieve long-term goals that i've said are short-term goals or does it make me a better father or a better husband does it make me a better person and so when i realize it doesn't i have to let it go and that's a it's hard to because you stress about the things you care about and so when you're like i gotta let this go because it's mentally hurting me which physically like raise your blood pressure could physically Mm. hurt you and stuff like that and then you have to start thinking well if i can just let it go that easy does what i do matter hey guys we'll get back to just friends in just a second but first are there any inspiring musicians out there you guys might not know this about me but i've been an inspiring musician since i was 16 years old and besides talent The only thing I was really missing was access to professional quality sound equipment and the knowledge of how to use it. If only Black Smoke Studios would have existed back then, my dreams of being a rock star could have come true. But it isn't too late for you. Black Smoke Studios is a professional recording studio located here in the south end of Louisville, and it's owned and operated by my good friend Jeff Baxter. I've played music with Jeff for years, and let me tell you, he's a talented son of a bitch. 
He plays every instrument I play except better, and on top of that, he is a very knowledgeable sound engineer. If you write music or just play an instrument, Jeff at Black Smoke Studios has everything you need to create a professional quality audio recording in his basement. It's amazing. He has a vocal booth and all these fancy microphones. I sang karaoke there at his birthday party last year and I felt like Adele. It was amazing. But that isn't all because Black Smoke Studios does music production. So if you play guitar, but you dream of your song with a drum track or keys, Black Smoke Studios can make that dream a reality. Guys, with the internet these days, all it takes is the creation of something really good and a couple of shares, and you could be the next Lil Nas X. You could you could be the next Sturgill Simpson. Black Smoke Studios can help you make something great. Check out BlackSmokeStudios.com and get started today. Everything you need is right there. It's BlackSmokeStudios.com. Everything you need to create a professional quality music production all in one basement. That's BlackSmokeStudios.com blacksmokestudios.com all right guys uh if you're ready let's get back to the show i remember one time we were waiting to go into class how old was i we were in college okay great (laughs) and i was talking to you about this article i just read i remember it about how i was like well you know, dogs can communicate with you with the way they wag their tails and shit. And you're like, dogs can't. That's <laughs> talking. And it just goes to show like how we just took opposing sides pretty much to everything. A lot of our friendship, we just like, no, that's stupid. I think maybe you just were thinking in a way that I wasn't thinking yet. You were thinking in a way that I wasn't thinking yet. Because now I totally think, I think most animals well, yeah, are way smarter. About dogs communicating. It was just about we were gonna disagree. confrontation, I guess. We were going to disagree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I guess. Just because how you think everyone was unfairly like teasing you through the whole friendship. When it wasn't necessarily that. I guess when we were all together, yeah, you might have been the subject. But when you left someone else was the subject so let me only criticize one word that you used unfairly i realize now how i was asking for it constantly i realize now how all the things i was doing was setting me up to be the easiest person to pick on <laughs> well you shouldn't even be hard yourself like people shouldn't be picked on for them being themselves so you shouldn't classify it as a unfairly you should just realize that's just how packs are like it wasn't necessarily like okay let's call mitchell over to make fun of him it was just like okay we're gonna poke him and he's gonna react (laughs) so let's poke him some more and then you leave and it's like okay now we're gonna poke this guy and see how he reacts and so you weren't there to see how we reacted with interacted with everyone else so you took it as i bet when i'm gone they don't make fun of nobody let me see if i can give you a different perspective because you're nailing it you're saying exactly what i'm trying to say i'm doing a bad job of of vocalizing it i didn't realize at the time that you guys were just trying to be friends with me by picking on me i didn't see that then i didn't see that then boys more than girls use um picking on each other a little tiny bit to build bonds boys are mean to each other because it's like 
we're cool enough now that I can point this thing out about you that you're a little bit embarrassed of and we can laugh about it together or we can enjoy that together. Girls don't do that. And I, girls say mean things about each other to hurt each other's feelings. And maybe I had spent so much time with girls that when you guys were saying mean about things about me, I thought it was because you were trying to hurt my feelings. I didn't realize at the time it was that you were playing with me. We were playing this game of let's pick on each other and that instead of letting it hurt my feelings I could have should have just found something about you to say something mean about you but I liked you and I was scared of to say something mean that would hurt your feelings because I didn't want to lose you as a friend because I valued you as a friend I didn't want you to be mean to me but now I see oh I just was completely misunderstanding the interaction it's an it's been honestly it's been really great for my friendships that I've been able to grow out of that misunderstanding it's been nice that's good you want to know why I think I've had such an interest in like sociology and psychology? Because that is something that I'm really interested in. But I really think the only reason I'm super interested in it is because by learning about all of these things that happen to people and that and that change and, and negatively impact people's ways of thinking, I've just been able to see in my own self, like all these things that I do that lots of people do that are characteristic of people who have certain problems. But I think a lot of we're all so similar. Like you could yeah. say something and this is why I'm this way, but it's like I've experienced it the same way. It's like I've said multiple times, like we like to think our life's unique, but it's really not that unique. We've all experienced almost pretty much the same thing, mm-hmm. maybe slightly different degrees, but someone has already published a book on how to deal with trauma not necessarily your trauma but something some kind of trauma that's affecting your life Mm -hmm. like generally there's also a lot of research now though that would suggest that a lot of the things that you have to do to combat trauma become harder when you're a victim of trauma so i mean like it sucks it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in some ways and it does make it harder i feel lucky that i've finally been able to in my older age maybe escape like a negative cycle of thinking but that negativity's in everybody it's there always yeah you're right it is you just have to learn how to you slowly become more and more aware of how it's affecting you right now i see how it's affecting my job i haven't learned yet how to deal with it maybe in the healthiest way but i'm working on that i've learned something recently in my life and it sounds like you've known this you know this too that it's really not so much about it's not so much about what you achieve it's more about that you're trying to achieve something that you have a goal that you're working towards and you're getting to have small victories and you're getting to enjoy the process and all the ups and downs along the way really are just steps in achieving a goal. Yeah. It's, it's nice to have goals. It's important to have goals and it's important that you actually want to achieve it because if you set this goal that you don't really want to achieve and you go for it, you're not going to experience gratification. And, and a lot of unhappiness comes from the idea that you know that that's the goal you want to achieve. And you don't know until you start to try and achieve it. And so that's kind of the scary thing about setting a goal and going for it is that you put it out there that that's what you want and it might not be what you want and you're going to waste all this time and you don't have unlimited time. I did that with teaching though, so I'm not afraid of it happening again. Yeah. And see, that's the thing. You just have to go do it. And then you realize 
wow, I was scared. Like that's one thing I learned when I was fixing this house up, like the biggest, like there was like three moments that kind of transformed me. And I'll talk about the second one to relate to this. And it was the deck, the back deck used to have this awning over it, like this roof over it that was attached to the main house roof and it was rotted out and I had to detach it and throw it away. And so to do that, I had to get a dumpster and I was going to have to like rip off a roof and that was tied into the main roof. And so I was scared because I've never done this before. I watch YouTube videos on how to re-shingle a roof. And Are you to, by yourself? Yeah, I'm doing this by myself. So I get this dumpster, and it's sitting in the driveway for a month. $500 <laughs> a month to have this thing sit there. Oh, gosh. And my fear is the only thing holding me back. And so mm-hmm. I'm like, this, I need to quit this. I need to just go for it. And so I have a three-day weekend coming up, and I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to plan it out. Because I've learned planning is an extremely important part of achieving your goals. And so I planned it out and I ripped this roof down and clean it up, throw it in the dumpster, put a new roof, like section of roof on this house and step back and it looks great. Mm-hmm. And it took me three days and I put it off for months. It cost me <laughs> hundreds of dollars, a lot of stress. I'm like, why are you doing this to yourself? If there's something you want, that you not just on a whim like oh i want that like impulse buying or something like that tv i bought today <laughs> it's that wasn't an impulse buy tj that was a good decision yeah it was, it's gonna be great it's one. Gonna be great. yeah but something you've thought about that you want like go for it and see if you really want it see if all the obstacles you put in your head are really there or if you can really achieve what you you know your goal is yeah that's why for a while, I don't know if you remember this, but I was talking about like going back to school and like pursuing a PhD so that I could do like counseling or something like that. Cause I just thought something different than what I'm doing now. Yeah. But I'm ready to take a big one. I'm ready to take a big one. I'm ready to really take a huge risk and try to see like, what am I actually capable of? Get, I got a five-year plan. I'm for, well, I shouldn't say I have a five-year plan. I'm slowly formulating a five-year plan because that's how I was able to get to where I'm at now was I had a five-year plan. So I'm slowly formulating a, a small five-year plan where I'm trying to figure out ways that I can make it realistic and make it possible to do something big, and I'm going to go for it. You said that you had three really transformative experiences when you were working on this house. Yeah. That was the second. The, se- the second one was you had to replace a roof and an awning, and you had never done it before. Yeah. And you were... Obviously, I can relate to this because I work on my house now. And the the big fear is you're totally gonna fuck up this house that you are in, yeah, super you can invested really in. Get, and you can get in a lot of trouble from taking on a project you don't understand. And that's the fear. Do you understand it enough to take it on? And and I think people know themselves better than they give credit to. And so if you really feel it inside of you that you can do it, like when you think about it for a month straight and you're, every time you go to bed and you're like, I can do this, yeah, then do it. Yeah. I, I haven't done a whole lot of big remodeling in my kitchen, but you've seen what I've done in my kitchen. Yeah. I've not hung cabinets, but I've changed out floors and I've painted and I can do, I've done crown molding and I can do those things. So what was the first transformative experience? The first transformative experience was, 
the drywall after the electricians redid all the wiring i've done drywall there was the whole like half the house need to be drywalled right so i kept telling myself i said i'll come here saturday hang up this drywall well i go there saturday and get i'd barely get anything done and then sunday was softball days and then the week i'd work and so i had to really focus and say if you're gonna get this done you have to give up something that you enjoy and so i pretty much had to stop going to softball and then i had to start going after work to hang the drywall even if it was just for an hour and this is where i started listening to motivational speeches on like youtube and online like les miles and all of the famous like motivational speakers um and it really helped me push myself to get through that first phase like i need to realize this is what i need to do to get this goal done and do it even though it sucks even though i'm missing out and so that was my first transformative moment and and i got it done and i was like why did you wait so long to do that you wasted two or three months saying you're going to do this thing that you know you had to do even though you didn't want to do it and you did it for me one big thing that i wanted to accomplish as silly as this sounds coming from a guy was when sarah and i completely planned our wedding together totally all of it was us we didn't have a wedding planner we had a lot of help from her parents a ton of help but we made all the the big decisions about who we were going to use and the vendors the dj all of that stuff and it was a big big undertaking and i was really proud of the over the how it turned out at the end of everything i thought yeah, it was beautiful it's a great wedding i felt bad that i had to leave but i just my wife just gave birth and yeah, i was well. like <laughs> i felt like i was kind of like a downer there no. but i was so fucking tired and i was like no i need to get home so you she can get a break and it's it's a fun wedding well for me because honestly i can't say once the actual wedding started it was over for me yeah so i don't really i remember what i remember most about the wedding was hanging out with you beforehand taking pictures and just chilling and just being calm there was a there was some stress going on with a lot of people there because sarah's younger and not a lot of her friends have been in weddings before and stuff like that yeah but we were having fun i was having fun <laughs> we had a blast we were stressing garage. people out because yeah. we were having fun a little bit i think yeah. they're like why are they having so much fun and it was because we knew like this is this is this is totally under control and i felt like it was totally under control because sarah and i had planned it so we knew what, what our goal was and what we were trying to accomplish and i'd like to think that it went really smoothly and that everybody had a really good time but kind of what you're talking about planning like we planned for a whole year you know and then not only that like we went our honeymoon i don't know if you're really familiar have i talked to you about what we did for our honeymoon our honeymoon was one of the most amazing experiences oh, yeah, of my entire life. West Coast. Yeah, it was amazing. We started in Seattle and we drove down the coast and we planned out this big trip where we stayed in over the course of the 16 days that we were on our honeymoon. We took a long honeymoon. We stayed in probably, goodness, probably nine different places. And we just saw a lot of things and 
we could have done a better job, honestly, planning the whole thing out, but it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that. But I, it was a really amazing time. Yeah, but and, once you do something, you can always do it better. Yeah, you could always do it better. Exactly. You're right. That's a good point. You could always do it better. Uh, but it was super fun, and I, I just it was a blast, and we had to plan this big uh, kind of elaborate honeymoon, and uh, we had to plan what I felt like was a pretty big and like a lot of work wedding. It was more intense than my wedding. Yeah. But I had a personal thing that I wanted to accomplish. It's silly that I was more interested in the overall aesthetic of the wedding than Sarah was. I was. Sarah was not as into it as me. Yeah, I remember when we were setting the tables up, and you're like, no, 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 they go here. And it's like, all right, you're not even going to realize where they're at. But yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I don't know if it has to do with the beginning of my brain fully, like, maturing or if it has to do with just all of the other life-changing decisions that I made that have have been really positive like my wedding and my honeymoon and graduating college and all those things or if none of those things would have even been possible if my brain hadn't fully developed in the first place but I can tell a humongous difference between 25 and 30 you can't drink as much and you can't <laughs> go out all night. <laughs> I didn't do that a whole lot. What I've noticed is I can think way better. I'm a way better thinker. Because you have more experience. Yeah. It's that thing I was saying earlier. There's like a bunch of books on how you, you should react, but you can read them. You can watch YouTube videos and learn stuff till you actually go out and do it. It's not cemented into your brain. You can mm-hmm. watch a video on how to change a tire, but until you actually change it, you're not sure that you can actually do it. It's mm-hmm. a good point. It's a good that, point. That's just how life is. Yeah, that seems to be true. You know, this is a perfect opportunity since we kind of had to throw back to the beginning to go ahead and wrap this up. If you're interested in wrapping this up, are you ready to, to, to chill? Yeah. All right, cool, man. Well, uh, that was awesome. Thank you so much for doing this podcast with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I don't know what else you got going on today, but I love you and uh, I hope you have an awesome one. You too. All right, bye. All right, guys, so that was the podcast. TJ was an amazing guest, and luckily for you, he and I spoke for a very long time in his basement. So round two of TJ should be coming out soon, and who knows, I've got another hour even after that, so there might even be a round three. So I know you guys are looking forward to hearing that, and I'm really excited about editing and releasing it. Once again, if you're interested in being on the podcast with me, please reach out. I don't care if I haven't talked to you in 15 years. I'm getting the chance to talk to awesome people. I'm having a blast, and I want to talk to you. So if I haven't already reached out to you, I might soon. If you want to be on the podcast, reach out to me. I would be happy to have you. I'd be happy to catch up, and I would love to have you on the show. So I hope you enjoyed listening and I love you guys. Have a fantastic day. Bye.